0: Most of the time, we review books that we really like here on The Book Boys. Other times, we review books that stink. And when a book really stinks, we get fussy. So this is a warning that sometimes we'll swear on this podcast, or sometimes the material that we're reviewing will be adult in nature. So keep that in mind as you listen to this week's episode. Hello, Ben. Oh, hey. How's it going, buddy? Real good.
1: Are you listening to hip-hop in the background there? Sorry. Uh, no, that's uh, Joy Division. Not not quite hip-hop. Who listens to Joy Division? Is it like old Joy Division? Well, yeah, it's all old Joy Division, because Lee Singer killed himself in 1979, I think, so...
0: Well, I thought that they uh, regrouped again at some point in the 90s.
1: Well, they regrouped in the early 80s as New Order... Uh,
0: well, maybe that's what I'm getting confused with. I had a yeah. Joy Division period in my youth, but you know that was in junior high. Ben I wasn't a grown man.
1: <laughs> I hope you're recording this. I am actually. You're okay. being
0: recorded right now, Ben. Hopefully, this is temporary. I was just thinking to myself recently. My basement sound studio is getting real lonely. I wonder how long we're going to have to keep doing this. I don't know. There's six months probably. Sounds about Could right. Be our podcasting uh, career is in jeopardy Ben well, I don't know about that why, why do you say that well, when are you going to order books
1: we got a bunch of books so okay do we need to do bad books again
0: <laughs> maybe if the next episode is also going to be individual book reading then I'm like hey, I guess this is the future of our podcast but at some point bookstores got
1: to be able to ship you something that you want Well, yeah, I thought part part of the the point of this was to keep our sanity during these odd times and, like, just read books that we maybe would enjoy reading.
0: Well, the book I read drove me to the brink of insanity. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just saying. Save it for the show. I think I need books that piss me off versus books that um, send me into a deep, dark place that I almost didn't return back from. Well, that sounds like on the beach. Is it worse than that? (laughs) Uh, worse than that, but not, like, On the Beach was really good. This book wasn't so good. I don't know, we'll get into it later.
1: Uh, well, okay, so I think the Hennepin County Library is doing curbside pickups, so <clears throat> I could start, uh... Oh, there we go. I could put a hold on Twilight if you want. <laughs> yeah,
0: why don't you put a hold on Twilight, and we'll keep reading individual books until that frees up. And then we'll see what happens. Well, moving on from that. How was your week, Ben?
1: Uh, pretty good. Still, still enjoying furlough. I can I, uh, Any word on when that ends for you? I got a text from my boss this morning. Um, <laughs> from the office. Yeah. <laughs> this morning. Today. Today being Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is who I work for. That's um, crazy. I guess some people are coming, being called back. Like I know my coworker um, was called back, and she's gonna be back tomorrow working in the office amazing not not working from home because we can't do that in the office
0: why are they trickling in just a handful of people to work in the office what's the point then there's no point
1: everyone else Um, is still furloughed yeah i mean she has work to do and i think just given what she's working on she's working on something we're doing a a products launch and she's kind of involved earlier in that process than i am so I'm assuming she's going back into work on that and then I'll be recalled here hopefully not too soon, but I I'll have other things to do related to that before too much longer. So uh but yeah, my boss texted me this morning and part of what she said was uh I, I know it's hard. Hang in there. I'm like That's yeah. it? well no no she said a bunch of other stuff but i just like how she's such a workaholic and she thinks this is somehow torture for me to not be working (laughs) (laughs) like some sort of struggle i'm like no i I love this i've been just relaxing and (laughs) cleaning i've just uh you know i've been organizing doing a lot of hikes still and cooking a lot and uh, uh yeah so that's i don't know when specifically i'll be i'll be back but it will be fairly soon i guess so a little, little bummed about that. Well, that stinks for you. Yeah, but uh, I'll just, I'll make the most of it as well as it lasts, but I don't know. I have, a, I have a feeling I might get called back next week,
0: so. Ooh. Well, then we'll both be starting back at the same time, unless I'm told that my furlough is going to last longer.
1: Uh, we'll both be starting work at the same time. Um, Yeah, about yours, I'm a little concerned about yours. You seem to be, like, losing your mind after, after four days. You, you didn't even know what day it was. Like, are you holding up all right with your furlough? Um,
0: yes. uh, Yeah. (laughs) So my situation being that I'm not supposed to leave the house because of the, uh, the illness I had a few weeks ago or a week ago. And so I'm trying to do the right thing and not, even though I don't have any more symptoms, I'm just trying not to leave the house and order all my food in and that sort of thing. And, um, which has gotten easier because using some of the food services before I'd order food, Because I'd want to go pick up at the store. Uh, And it would take a week before you could do that. But now it's like same day, multiple times per day and stuff. So this time, then delivering to your house, it's the same thing. So all that stuff's good, but then I don't have a reason to really leave. And so then um, I only recently got my masks in the mail. So I didn't want to like walk down the street. And if I was infected with the virus or had been, and I'm still recovering, that I don't want to spread it by accident to anyone uh, and so it's like, well, I don't want to walk out there if I don't have a mask or anything. So, um, so yeah, just a lot of yard work and stuff and just listening to, like, podcasts and music and that kind of junk. And it kind of drives you insane. You want to interact with another human being. And so uh, then the catch-22 being when people I know would want to, like, talk on the phone or, like, video chat, uh, I have no social skills anymore. And so I would just sit there like an idiot, babbling and... Everything's horrible. And so, yeah, by the time... But I did actually finally get my masks in the mail. And uh, they're reusable, so I washed them right away and everything. And then I uh, was able to finally get outside, even though it's freaking cold as hell and raining today. <laughs> but I just wandered around anyways. And uh, I even spread the joy a little bit. I... It turns out my ex-wife only has a disposable mask that she's been reusing over and over by hanging it on the rearview mirror of her car. And uh, so since it's Mother's Day, I gave her a couple of the masks that I bought so that she can actually, like, wash them and not die. And that's pretty much
1: it for me. I, so I guess you and I have vastly different personalities because I, I, I don't mind this that much.
0: <laughs> well, it's because <laughs> you're healthy. I didn't mind yeah. it when I could go out to the store or go wander around and not worry yeah. about, you know, but the thing is is if I am just breathing and spewing out viruses all over the place if that's the case, it's really 50-50 since I couldn't get tested, I'll never freaking know uh, walking down the street if, I, if someone's downwind from me, it can get to them, even if they're further than six feet away so it's like, well, I don't know, I'll just be safe, so yeah, it really sucks but if I was healthy, I'd be in the same mindset I was before which is happy-go-lucky, sporting around, uh, making a big adventure out of going to Target, things like that, which I can't do now. So, okay. Um, but I did buy a soda stream. Oh,
1: did you uh, get some milk in there or what?
0: <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> okay. Was that the first thing you did was milk? <laughs> yeah, well, first I set it up and I made some water, and I'm like, okay, yeah, it tastes good. And then I told my daughter, I'm making a s- some bubbly milk and she's like, uh, mm-hmm. and I kept making a joke out of it. Like it was it,
1: her idea. Why is she going? Ugh?
0: Cause she doesn't really want it. She just told me about well, it. then
1: She shouldn't. Have, well, she shouldn't have brought it up. But yeah, I know. She should, she should know better
0: than that. She should keep secrets for me if she doesn't want me to do things. Um, so yeah, I told her that I was going to, uh, to make some bubbly milk and I'm like at any time today, I could surprise you with a cool frothing, refreshing glass of bubbled milk. And she's just like, this sucks. I even said, yeah, I might wait till it's bedtime. And like when you're going to go to bed, I'll just come up with like a glass of bubbly milk on a plate or something and bring it to you. Um, So I did. I waited until after dinner and I had my younger daughter downstairs with me and I said, okay, I'm going to bubble up this milk. And so I filled it up to the fill line because you got to, you have to put the liquid up to a certain point in the bottle. You can't just have a tiny bit. You got to put like a lot in there so that the nozzle can reach down and inject all the stuff. And that was the biggest problem, because as soon as you start to bubble milk, it wants to turn into a type of, like, froth or cream or something, and it just starts bubbling over. So it got all up in the machine, and it spilled out the edges, <laughs> and then it, like, sort of seemed like it was done, and I was, like, trying to mop all of it up while it was still doing it, because you can't turn it off, unless you, like, unplug it, I guess, but I didn't think of that at the time, because it was all happening so quickly, and so it finally stops, I'm like, okay, I think it's done, and I tried to pull it out but it wouldn't but I jailed it just enough that it thought I put in a new thing so it started doing it all over again I'm like god damn it <laughs> like this is gonna be a endless cycle uh, but finally it got to stop and there was just milk everywhere and um there was a tiny bit at the bottom that wasn't just flat out foam I mean there was just foam all over the place it was like your washing machine broke and just went crazy with foot, like suds everywhere and uh so there's a tiny bit at the bottom so I had my daughter try that and she's like she even said, I can't tell if it's good or not. <laughs> like, I know. I tried some, too. It's just milk with bubbles in it, and that's it. It doesn't taste good or bad. It's like an <laughs> A&W root beer without the sugar. So, it's odd. Wait, what? Have you ever had, or the root beer float, I mean. A&W root beer float. Or just without a, the root beer? Yeah, I guess root without that? the sugar and the root beer flavor. It's just kind of like, sort of seems like it should be ice cream, but it's kind of watery. Okay. It's kind of weird. So that was my experience. I'll never do that again. I was planning on surprising you when we finally get out of the quarantine. You come over and I'll just give you a a cool, refreshing glass of bubbled milk. But that's not happening now. (laughs) That's too bad. Um, You can think of some other way to surprise me, I guess. (laughs) You'll come up with something. (laughs) How's your week been? So you've been cooking, hiking, any online dating?
1: Uh, No, nothing to speak of there. Um, Are you depressed about that? No, it's fine. I just want this to be over so I can get back to in-person dating. Yeah, getting yourself out there. Yeah. Getting a little nooky. That's probably what you're thinking about with all
0: your free time. What's your masturbation levels at right now?
1: Uh, I'd say healthy. (laughs)
0: Maybe a little exuberant?
1: I'm a normal adult male with normal adult male needs that I have to take care of. (laughs) Uh How's your masturbation level? Does that Does the sickness affect your uh, frequency or duration at all? No, no, it didn't affect it at all. I'm okay. still hard at work.
0: You'd think you'd think I was doing it as if I had some sort of grand purpose at the levels that I do it, but uh, nope just for recreation. You know, whatever we have to do to stay sane right? That's true. The mind slipping. Do you got anything from your mom? How's Gretchen?
1: Well, okay. So last week she gave us some uh, some gardening tips that mm-hmm. were a little vague. They didn't uh, we didn't know what the hell she was talking about, right? She started by mentioning that uh, in the past when she gave us a very simple dental tip and she said it was simple, we like jumped all over her, all over her for <laughs> assuming we were idiots or something. <laughs> um, so then, so now she says like she can't get it right because she gave us a gardening tip and assumed a base level of knowledge that we just didn't possess there. <laughs> um, so she 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 doesn't know what to do with us. I know. I don't know
0: think we're just a couple of complete assholes. Like she tries to offer up a tip and we're no matter what, we're always gonna be
1: critical of your poor yeah. mom. <laughs> yeah. So um so she explains seedlings are not seeds. They are small plants. Starter plants, if you will. Oh um, also we were wondering about bone meal. Yes. It is a Fine bone powder. It mm-hmm. contains phosphorus and calcium, which are good for the plants and their ability to photosynthesize. Are these she, bones from man? Uh, she didn't say where the bones are from, which is concerning. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. What, where, She's really where vague come. on the bone meal. Okay, all yeah. right, we'll go on. She, she does say to not add your toenail clippings to the bone meal. <laughs> and uh peat moss she talked about um it's not not a person it's not mr peter moss (laughs) uh, peat moss uh helps hold water near the plant's roots
0: huh all right
1: so use use some peat moss um use some bone meal but don't ask too many questions about that (laughs) it's best if you don't know (laughs) and uh seedlings are not seeds they're plants does she have a
0: bone meal connection that we can talk to?
1: I I, I don't want to know. I'm kind of wondering Gertrude, if she have a connection. Don't tell me. I, I want to retain plausible deniability here in this whole bone meal venture that you have going on. So. I know I shouldn't
0: be asking yeah, questions okay. and I shouldn't be dipping my beak into it, but uh, I'm wondering if like the gardening industry is just like the medical industry back in like the you know 1870s where they needed to get cadavers, but it was illegal for them to have it for them to uh practice on and stuff so they had to like work out deals with certain gentlemen that are questionable to just have cadavers dropped off at their hospital is that the way the gardening industry is right now with all that bone meal is that an industry that uh,
1: they can make an hbo series out of hey do you want your plants to photosynthesize or not okay just stop <laughs> asking all these questions <laughs> yes i guess
0: i want my plants to photosynthesize okay. fine my daughter's got a plant that she bought. It was uh, Her room doesn't have a whole lot of light in it, like direct sunlight. So <clears throat> we got this big leafy thing that grows almost like vines. And um, But uh, the new cat keeps trying to kill it and destroy it, so we couldn't figure out a place to put it in a room where the cat wouldn't get up there and knock it over. So uh, we finally, I had to repot it, because when we it got knocked over for the fourth time, she saw the bottom of the plant, because it mostly fell out of the pot, and it was just all these little... Uh, Roots spiraling around on themselves. And I said, oh, I think this thing needs more room to grow. So I had to go buy a bigger pot and a little hanging thing so I can hang it in her room and everything. What a pain in the ass. Why does anyone want to garden? The amount of dirt and how it gets everywhere and stays on you no matter how much you wash. uh, I don't get why people make it a hobby. It's just disgusting.
1: So you're not very good at gardening?
0: Well, I don't know. Is there other ways to garden without having getting everywhere?
1: I don't know, Gretchen. Help us out.
0: I know. Is there a way to garden where it doesn't suck? I guess that's my question to her.
1: Gretchen, balls in your court. So you, you mentioned that the cat was knocking over the plant there.
0: Yeah, the young one. Yeah, the new one.
1: yeah. I I haven't had a cat update in a while. How, how are the how's the cat situation? We
0: can't stand each other. I hate okay. looking at him, and he looks at him, he won't look at me. He keeps. I have a copy of Ulysses on a bookshelf, but the bookshelf is deep enough that there's nothing behind the books, but there's a lot of extra space. He keeps somehow pulling out this one volume of Ulysses and then crawling back behind the books. So every morning I wake up and the Ulysses is on the floor. And I have to look in there. And is he in there? No. Then I put Ulysses back. I don't get how he does it or why he's doing it. But he's doing it to drive me up the wall. Which I'm already
1: delicate right now. Does he, does he right really like James Joyce or he hates James Joyce? I don't think he's why trying he? to
0: read it. And oh. uh, he doesn't have the fingers to turn pages, I wouldn't imagine. Okay. Unless he's doing it with his tongue. That'd be weird. But, yeah, so he's just pissing me off. So, yeah, the plant knocking down. Basically, he just, I think he studies you, finds out what you care about, which is me keeping my books on my shelf, or my daughter having a plant, and uh, wants to destroy it. I think he's the worst thing that's ever been brought into my life. So, that's the update on the cat. Well, let's move on, Ben. Let's review our books. Okay. Okay.
1: What did you read this week? I read *The Sparrow* by Mary Doria Russell. How was that? What's it about? I enjoyed it quite a bit. I didn't know anything about it. It was one of those books that was on my list of things to read because I'd seen good reviews or something. Um, it's kind of old. It's uh, from 1996, so almost 25 years old now. We're getting old. Kind of old. All right, you son of a uh, quarter of a century old. All right, it's all right. Old. <laughs> not as old as you or yeah. I. but I was going to
0: say, you're not that far behind me. I am not... What was your new catchphrase? Not considerably older, but... Substantially? <laughs> Maybe that's it. I
1: don't know.
0: So what's I mean, it about?
1: I'm, I'm still in my 30s. So let's not forget that. Mm. Barely. Barely holding on to it. Yeah, the well, I, but I am. Uh, it's <laughs> kind of a, a highbrow sci-fi thing. Um, and did with a lot of religious stuff in there oh okay so the basic plot is in the year uh 2019 some uh scientists at the uh big old radio telescope telescope observatory find mm-hmm. some radio signals coming from alpha centauri mm-hmm. so they decide to uh send a mission there to check it out and by they it's the uh, the jesuits are sending missionaries there that's the first people to go (laughs) contact this uh, society so hold on a second um, I
0: I don't mean to keep interrupting or anything but just for clarity NASA or whatever uh, governmental organization is monitoring radio signals and it's coming from Alpha Centauri just the general area or the like Alpha Centauri which has got to be
1: light years and light years away from us well that's one of the why isn't Alpha Centauri Like the general
0: area in the sky of Alpha Centauri.
1: Well, no, the 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 system. They knew it was coming from that star system, and I think (laughs) Alpha Centauri is what isn't like seventeen light years away from us, or something. Yeah, I
0: don't know. I just know that it's not. I just know that if you had a religious group that said we'll send people up there, they wouldn't be alive by the time they got
1: there. Oh wait, no, it's only four point three seven light years away. Which still—that's right. And it took them seventeen years to get there. In the book that's what i was thinking 17 years but yeah so in 2019 they've developed
0: the uh the kind of power that it would take to go near light years or near light speed
1: yeah and this book it wasn't one of those sci-fi books that gets into all of those sorts of details so they just <laughs> um, basically in in 2019 in this book there's a robust asteroid mining industry oh boy uh, so they used an asteroid to get there it was they just had to do some math, and they figured it out, and they used basically the the minerals of the asteroid as fuel for their to propel the asteroid towards Alpha Centauri. Okay,
0: and, and then I guess the second part of my question, and then I'll be done. And I, I, again, I apologize for interrupting. How did the Jesuits pray, play any role in what <laughs> NASA or the government would want to do with that radio signal?
1: Well, so the one of the fellows at the observatory who picked up the signal, he was. kind of friends with some jesuits and so there's there's eight people on this mission that end up going i think five of them are like jesuit priests and the other three are not or no four of them are and Mm -hmm. four aren't but so yeah one of the four that goes is the guy at the uh observatory who picked up the signal um and it's it's that big radio telescope that's in uh Puerto Rico no sure probably seeing that that huge one there the Arecibo Observatory Um, so anyway he picks it up and he just calls his friends so like one of his friends in Puerto Rico is this Jesuit priest and that's kind of how the Jesuits get involved and they can pull it off because you know they're part of the Catholic Church so they have uh, unlimited money basically Weird,
0: and so then the world is okay with sending religious-minded well, people though, to that, possibly kind of, another.
1: <laughs> yeah, the world didn't really know. They just kind of surreptitiously did this. So, oh, okay. kind <clears> of. <throat> there was a little bit in the book about how they were uh, sneakily selling off a few pieces of art and whatnot to raise funds for, to buy an asteroid and send it to Alpha Centauri. So, okay. Uh, so yeah, they, they didn't really get anyone's permission. I think the, the world, uh, wasn't super pleased with the Jesuits. <laughs> uh, Cause if
0: there's didn't. another civilization out in space, my last thing on the earth that I would want to send up there as a representative to just like to talk with them and learn about their culture is a bunch of religious people who've got some strong opinions about way things should be. So, well, yeah, that makes more sense that they snuck up there, but hilarious that they have enough money where a bunch of them got up in there.
1: It's the church. They have they have a lot of money. Uh, yeah, so they, they went, and that's kind of in the tradition of the Jesuits. I mean, they were missionaries in the New World and whatnot, so they were drawing parallels with that in the book of <clears throat> okay. Jesuits in you know, the 1500s, talking to American Indians and whatnot, and mm. kind of paralleling that with their experiences on this New World, so... Um, but yeah, one of the Jesuit priests that went there was a, a linguist, a multilingual fellow and just an expert in linguistics, and so they sent him there to, you know, because he could presumably communicate mm. with them, and, and they had other people that. Um,
0: so they sent the cream of the crop when it comes to Jesuit, Jesuit priests.
1: Yeah, they did. They, they sent another guy who was, like, former Army or Air Force or something so he could, you know, pilot the asteroid and the landing craft when they got there and yeah there's just a couple of like naturalist so he could kind of uh, examine the hmm. the plants and the animals there oh okay so uh, so anyway but the book itself it kind of jumps back and forth between 2019 when they're kind of discovering this radio signal and putting this mission together and going to the planet and then uh, there's in the year 2060 is when the rest of it is set when one jesuit priest has returned from this mission and so at the beginning of the book it's in 2060 and he's kind of facing this inquest to talk about the mission because there's just bits and pieces at the beginning of the book just hinting that this mission has gone terribly terribly wrong mm-hmm. and so eight people went there you find out and there's just this one guy that survived and early in the book, they kind of keep making reference to there's something with a brothel and, like, a murdered child. And so <laughs> in it's space on, on this other planet that yeah. they got too. So And so, like, that just kind of, that's what the book is. It just kind of goes back and forth and just telling how all this unraveled and this... One priest who returned is just, he's kind of half insane. Mm-hmm. And they also make reference to, they, it takes him a long time to get into the details of it, but there's something wrong with his hands. Like some procedure has been done to him, and his hands are like the first guy who saw it, like couldn't even look at his hands. Oh, really? They're so grotesque. <laughs> yeah, so it's just, which was kind of like keeps you keeps you interested in the book like what the hell are they talking about you just want to keep reading to figure out Mm -hmm. what exactly happened here so uh but no it was good i I enjoyed it quite a bit Uh so what happened to his hands what were the people on the planet like so they they get to this planet and they uh eventually it turns out there's two sentient species on this planet Mm -hmm. Uh, and so they make contact initially with one of these species and they're kind of So first of all, when they're kind of circling the planet, they're like scanning it or whatever, trying to figure out what's going on. they Mm -hmm. kind of determine from what they're seeing that their level of technology on this planet is kind of equivalent to our late 1800s, early 1900s kind of technology. So they they have radio technology, obviously, because that's how they discovered them, but they Mm -hmm. don't have... Space flight or anything like that. So, uh, but anyway, they make contact with one of the sentient species on this planet, and they're kind of a nomadic tribe, like people. They they describe them more like they're almost like a herd, okay. Animal, and they they live in these. They have these cave dwellings by the river and the forest, and they they forage a lot for their food, and they're really skilled with their hands at making tools and uh-huh. furniture, stuff like that, but they're all kind of described as being a little simple-minded. They're not really uh-huh. big on abstract thought or anything. Uh-huh. Um, and it turns out that this species that they've made contact with is like the lesser of the two species on this planet. So they eventually get to the, like, the city where this radio signal came from and it's this big opulent city with beautiful buildings everywhere and the kind of the higher species is there and it turns out that the higher species uses these other sentient species Mm. as they're just kind of farming them basically they're using them as food and labor and (laughs) kind of uh, make the draw the parallel that's like kind of how we Treat domesticated dogs, like they're affectionate towards these people, but at the end they're at the end of the day, they're not exactly equals and they sure are, they sure. eat you do eat them and they they control their population and stuff and that's and that's kind of what ended up going terribly terribly wrong on this mission is the Jesuits decided they wanted to start a garden just mm-hmm. so they didn't really like the food that they're eating, so they just started growing their own food okay. and they well and they they asked the higher level species there if this was okay to do mm-hmm. they were still like living in the lower the primitive village but by this point they had made contact with both of the sentient species so mm-hmm. they asked the higher level one if like it's is it okay if we like start this garden and the <laughs> guy said yeah that's fine mm-hmm. but he didn't realize they were doing it for food he thought they were just doing it for decoration because that's what they used gardens for, I guess, was just decorative stuff. Oh, okay. So they start this garden, they start growing their food, and the, the simpler creatures see like how easy it is to grow food and they can they don't have to waste all their time going out in the forest looking for food. They can oh. just grow their so that just kind of throws off the whole balance of the planet. And... The
0: Jesuits became the Jesus bringing a it, message.
1: Well yeah to the downtrodden well which just brought war on the planet because the, <laughs> the smarter species was like really carefully controlling the population of these other ones and mm-hmm. like breeding them and then um, yeah like just controlling the herd and then part of that was controlling the food but so the gardening threw that all out of whack because they saw how easy it was and they quickly spread to all the other villages they, they all started doing their own gardening and so things deteriorated there and there was there was some (laughs) conflict and yeah the rest of the people the humans on the mission died through various means Um, a couple of them in a conflict one (laughs) there was like a poacher Mm. that got them Um, (laughs) one guy just got sick they weren't sure what it was Uh,
0: gardening plays a central point in this story is this something your
1: mom recommended you read no no it just it just worked out well that way like sci-fi
0: for gardening people like your mom
1: no no but uh yeah so it all goes wrong and and it eventually you are just the one jesuit priest the main character who's left living of the humans and he's goes back to the big city with kind of this uh, businessman type person this wealthy businessman there in the city and the guy, they spend, I guess, a few months together talking. But by this point, the the linguistic expert Jesuit mm-hmm. has is kind of fluent in mm-hmm. the languages there, so he can communicate freely <clears throat> with everyone. And, sure. Um, he, he ends up being on this planet for several years. Uh, but So he goes back to the city, and after a few months, the guy that he's there in the city with just kind of gets bored with him and basically sells him to the prince in the city and <laughs> he just ends up like in brothel oh like raped for the prince's pleasure oh wow and, and then there's hands too. those hands are disfigured it's some sort of ceremonial thing that they do to basically just render the hands completely useless to show that he's just absolutely dependent on this other guy oh wow and he the jesuit he agreed to it he was asked about and he said yeah I'll do that and he didn't really understand what he was getting himself into and the word for it was it was like the word on this planet to describe the procedure was having to do with like ivy how ivy kind of hangs off of other plants and that's what it was going to turn his hands into and he didn't realize like the linguistic implications implications of the the phrase Mm. the wording procedure so anyway it just completely disfigured his hands he can't use his hands at all he almost died from it because they wouldn't stop bleeding they basically just <laughs> cut his hands like sliced him and made like the fingers really disgustingly long and just hanging off of his <laughs> stuff. anyway so that was kind of happening throughout the book is when he's back in 2060 back on earth like he can't do anything for himself because his hands are just mangled um so is the do you think the moral of
0: this story is never send religious people to learn about a new civilization (laughs)
1: um i don't know if that was exactly the moral of the story but um, do you imagine
0: that it would be a different scenario if it was actual scientists and like people that work for nasa and things versus these uh jesuits they're like we want to make a garden. Do you think a scientist would say, do you mind if I make a garden? Probably not.
1: Well, yeah, isn't part of, like, when NASA sends people to the moon or Mars or whatever, aren't you very, very careful not to, like, have any sort of, like, bacteria or anything, like, end up on the other planet? Yeah. They, so, like, oh, they yeah. don't contaminate
0: anything, <clears throat> so. Well, that's the reason yeah, why I... Elon Musk pissed off so many people in the scientific community, because he sent that car into space with, like, the stupid dummy in it. You ever seen that?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's like a convertible with a dummy just orbiting Earth now, isn't there?
0: Uh, no, it's heading towards Mars. It's oh, okay. on a trajectory that means it's going to hit Mars. And so, um, but he didn't do anything to clean or purify the car or the dummy or anything. So it's just a dirty car that they sent into space, which is going to go land on Mars and any bacteria that survives on it, which it again, it's just no oxygen. So once you hit Mars and if there's, isn't there like an incredibly low amount of oxygen on Mars? Uh, the bacteria yeah, a, can kick a in thin
1: atmosphere there. Yeah, yeah.
0: So it can kick back in again, and yep. uh, you could wind up infecting or introducing new bacteria to Mars that shouldn't be there. Uh, and that's why everyone's so pissed that Elon Musk, who I've never liked, but yeah. So the idea that yeah, a bunch of Jesu- Jesuit, I can't say it, Jesuits <laughs> went up to this yeah. planet. Uh, with no actual training and how they should be acting around new civilizations and that sort of thing. It's kind of a funny uh, funny thing. And then that's kind of it. They come back and realize everything is horrible, and then what did the rest of the planet decide to do? Just, uh, well, we're not going back there then.
1: <laughs> well, so this this one guy got back to Earth because another crew was sent after him. I think it was actually like a scientific crew. <clears throat> oh, okay. um, there was something with... I don't know if that really matters, but there's with time dilation with um, traveling close to the speed of light. There, where this priest that was gone, he only had he was gone for like 40 years on Earth time, but he was only aged whatever, like five years for him, just because relativity. But sure. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, this other crew came after him and kind of rescued him because uh, part of the reason they got stranded there on the planet, they couldn't get back. So they had the, the asteroid that took them to the system, and oh. they had they left the asteroid kind of in orbit around the planet, and then they had a separate landing craft to go down to the planet. Oh, okay. And there was an incident that happened where the, all the fuel for the landing craft was gone, so they couldn't get back to the asteroid to leave. Oh, okay. Uh, so this other crew kind of came after them and discovered that there was just the one guy left, and uh, they found him like in the Bravo Huh. and he, like they they found him this child of the uh the lesser sentient species knew where he was so he she led the these other birth people to him mm-hmm. and the first thing he did was he killed this child when she like came in and showed these guys like oh here's your here's your priest and he was just like kind of half insane and he had apparently made up his mind that he was locked in this cell kind of in the brothel. And he made up his mind that whoever was the next person through the door, he was just going to kill that person. <laughs> he was soft. it ended up being this child that he would like befriended. And he was really close with. Oh, it was like the nice. first. Yeah. It was one of the first people that they had made contact with in like the village. And so she opened up the door and he just like instantly like ran into her and crushed her against the wall. <laughs> and that's like the first thing that these, uh, humans see when they they're going to rescue this guy they see him like he's just he's not in very <laughs> shape his hands are his hands are disfigured he's in a brothel mm-hmm. being you know, abused or whatever and he just murders a child and so that and the word of that gets back to earth they like radio that bag like so <laughs> so phil killed a kid that's <laughs> like yeah basically yeah. yeah he was in a brothel and he killed a kid so uh we're sending him back
0: <laughs> i'm still weirded out by the concept of why does an asteroid help you go near the speed of light?
1: Uh, I guess... It had some sort of propulsion system on there. It was just I was the going to ast- say,
0: the propulsion system has to be key there, because then also, how do you park an asteroid to orbit around a planet? How small is this asteroid? Because uh, you figure, just keep going. Then once the asteroid's gone, because you piggybacked on it, I don't know, I'm not going to get into it. Clearly, they don't explain it in the book very much, but... Uh, yeah,
1: they, well, and that wasn't... Yeah, they weren't getting into all the... They weren't you you <clears throat> the details of that. It was more about the... The linguistic stuff and the religious overtones and that sort of thing. But I think it was a fairly large asteroid and there was mining equipment on the asteroid already and you can mine the minerals and use it for fuel for whatever undescribed propulsion system that they have to get Ah, them close to the speed of light. Um, Yeah, and then I should just also mention the the title is taken from a Bible verse too. So the book is called The Sparrow, um, which comes from... Uh Matthew chapter ten verse twenty-nine. Not one sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. Your your father oh, is, is okay. God. Yeah, yeah. So, and then mm-hmm. so that's a passage in the book. Um one of the higher up Jesuits on earth, not one of the people that was on the mission, he says that, and the guy he's talking to says, But the sparrow still falls. Hmm. So it's kind of talking about, I think, getting touching on, like, God knows everything that happens, but doesn't necessarily control everything that happens.
0: Sure. I was going to say, when the Jesuit quotes that line, and then the other person would say, he killed a kid. <laughs> yeah, well. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. It's cute. He killed a kid, and his hands are real messed up. I don't think you're really appreciating the situation that happened out there. <laughs>
1: well, God didn't do it, but God, God knows about it. Well, that's and interesting. That was so, of, overall, I'm to? A little bit of it, too, was the Jesuits kind of struggling with, like, well, maybe we're not God's favorite children. There's there's others around the universe. So, that was kind of going on. But yeah, I was a big fan of the book. I, I liked it quite a bit. It was well, that's good. Good. It was good read. Yeah.
0: Well, my book <coughs> by uh, Thomas and oh, wait,
1: Can I just mention? I was oh, also, yeah. when I was reading it, I, I thought this would be, could be turned into a good, like, highbrow movie or TV series. Hmm. And apparently, I guess the rights—the movie rights—were sold back in two thousand eight or something to Brad Pitt's production
0: company. But then, oh, but then he decided to make that zombie thing, World War Z.
1: I guess so. But anyway, the author at some point, I guess, revoked all the film rights, and she said that she doesn't think anyone be would be able to make a faithful adaptation of it. So, oh, Why but would it they seems be able like to? it would be a good like prestige TV series. But uh, she doesn't, She doesn't think so. So.
0: Weird. It seems like it'd be pretty easy to make, as far as the concepts go. It's not like the other beings on the other planet were made of gas and light,
1: or something like that. It like wasn't yeah, super no, abstract were, and crazy. Yeah, They were pretty like humanoid. They were. Yeah. They had like fur and stuff, and their eyes were kind of weird. But they generally were they were bipedal and they were yeah roughly humans. They were bigger than humans. It definitely seems General like a doable play, project,
0: yeah. but yeah Maybe the author is just like Stephen King, where. What, doesn't he say that nothing that's ever been put on film from his books that he's ever agreed with or something I don't remember I mean there was one movie he said he did like a lot and it was one that I thought was silly but I can't remember which one that was anymore It was a long time ago that I heard this so maybe that's just the way authors are Authors just uh, they don't like when other people do mess around with their work so alright are you done? I'm done now
1: <clears throat> what did you read Glenn?
0: I read my work is not yet done by Thomas Ligotti. And as I've explained before, Thomas Ligotti has a uh, philosophically pessimistic worldview where um, he personally believes that dark forces, uh, multidimensional dark forces in the universe, are basically controlling us and have given given us consciousness for the sole purpose of making us miserable and feeding off us. Is kind of a long and short of that. And so a lot of his work is kind of taking that idea and then just making a story out of it. And so I didn't realize when I got this book that it's basically three short stories. Uh, my work is yet not done is like 75% of the book. Then there's two more short stories at the end. So I kind of had the thing where I read the first story, which was pretty good. And then the last two were I was just kind of... Done with office-themed stories at that point. Like I kind of was, so it's a little bit like uh, the Saunders book we read, where it's like yeah, it's got a theme, great. And so now we have to keep reading about it over and over. <laughs> so that was unfortunate. If they would have just left it at the one story, then I probably would have been pretty like fairly pleased with it. But um, in this story, there's a man named Frank Domino, uh, who's a junior manager uh, at a company, and um, he works with seven other people. Uh, led by a guy named Richard, whose nickname is The Doctor. Um, The seven other people, is kind of dumb, is Barry, Harry, Mary, Perry, Sherry, and Carrie. Uh, So he keeps referring to them as the seven dwarves. And um, so a lot of it is uh, Frank being fairly paranoid, not feeling like he's doing a good job. He feels like people are kind of conspiring against him, which is... And it's done in the same vein that you would experience for real in your workplace, like maybe first start somewhere, or you don't feel like you're really confident yet, and you're kind of wondering what people think about you, and you're a little bit, like, mildly paranoid, like you don't act on it. But in his case, he's uh, got obsessive-compulsive disorder, so he is really obsessed with what people think about him, like a little bit more than the average person would be. And so... um But things happen that seem weird, and it definitely seems like they're either picking on him, but they definitely don't respect him. And so, uh, like, one where this woman is asking, one of the women out of the Seven Dwarves is asking, um, I have a roll of stamps. I can't find them anywhere. Do you got any stamps? And he says, sure, and he opens up his drawer to pull out a stamp that he has, and the roll of stamps is in his desk, so it makes it look like he stole it. And that sort of thing. So uh, there's a lot of that going on. So anyways, um, he winds up coming up with a with an idea on how to market a product that is going to make the company a ton of money, but no one seems very interested. And then eventually they demote him, and then they fire him, uh, but keep his idea and plan on using it. He gets really upset about it and decides he's going to go out and get a bunch of guns, and he's going to go back and kill all of them because he's completely like obsessed with his anger towards them and everything. And I thought, well, this is going to turn out like the Joker or something, where they're going to glorify the the sort of pathetic character, but it turns out he's actually really cool and dangerous, just kind of like the Joker thing. And I was like, okay, well, that kind of sucks. This was written back in like 2000, so like maybe, you know, but it didn't go in that direction because he winds up getting hit by a bus uh, as he's buying stuff to get ready to go on a killing rampage. And while he's in a comatose sort of situation at the hospital um, where he shouldn't have survived, but he's just barely living, he's kind of in between like dying and being alive. So he winds up sort of existing between two worlds. So now suddenly he's able to listen in on his old coworkers as if he was there in the room with them as they're sitting around talking about what an idiot he is and how they planned on getting rid of him all along and how his idea was great. Uh, His boss, Richard, nicknamed the doctor, Uh, he's nicknamed that because everyone that works for him winds up committing suicide. And so one of the people that committed suicide basically cut themselves open and laid themselves across his desk as if it was an operating table. So that's why he got the nickname, the doctor. So he's just this horrible, evil person that manipulates and uses people. And so Frank was one of them. Anyways, so now that Frank's existing between two worlds, that's where it gets really weird and dark and creepy, like his worldview. And so he starts killing people in very creepy, abstract ways. Like he winds up taking one woman and just flat out melding him into the body of another man and stuff because he can do all these like bizarre Twilight Zone kind of stuff. And he goes on this killing rampage and every time he kills people in weird, bizarre ways, uh, the world around him keeps getting darker and darker so that he knows by the time he goes and kills Richard, uh, he will basically stop existing and be absorbed by this darkness, this evil. And um, But then Richard explains to him, like, you were hit by a bus, and, uh, you know, you can kill me if you want, but your body is over there, and that kind of thing. And so then he decides to go over and kill himself, and um, then that's it. That's the end of the story. So it wasn't that great. It's good in how abstract it is, and how bizarre and just weird it is. But there was a couple good lines that I wound up saving. Um, What do I have here?
1: Oh, are you still there? You're like dead quiet. Yep, you are. Yeah, Uh, I'm sorry. I just had it muted so you wouldn't hear me breathing.
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh, Hold on one second. I have notes, but it's like... Hold on, here it is. Okay. So one example of kind of how he sees the world uh, in this book uh, is, one of the quotes is, uh, he's talking to somebody, oh, he's talking to a bank manager, and he wants to withdraw all his money. And the bank manager is, what can I ask, why you want to withdraw the money? And he says, basically, it's none of your business, So then the bank manager says, we sincerely have enjoyed serving you and hope to do so again in the future. And he says, it occurred to me that all civilization was structured so that such people could make snide remarks like that and get away with it. They've been getting away with it for thousands of years and would continue to get away with it until the end of time. (laughs) So that's like the kind of uh, attitude he has. Um, So it was good. I guess I just enjoyed the sort of Twilight Zone portion of it where it gets really abstract and really weird. And since I already know his weird worldview to begin with about, like, dark forces feeding off of us and that sort of thing, uh, it makes reading the story a little more interesting. But I think for the average person, they probably think it just sucks uh, that it wasn't very good. Why did he kill himself at the end instead of killing Richard? Like, if he's going to get absorbed by the evil, um, why not kill the guy he was setting out to kill to begin with instead of himself? you're just going to get absorbed by the evil anyways. Kind of dumb. The second story in that is called I Have a Special Plan for This World. <clears throat> and that one I didn't like very much. It was, uh, There's a town that's known for high amounts of murder in it and a yellow fog. And nobody wants to talk about it, but basically the yellow fog has been inspiring people on the streets that are breathing it in um, to go and kill each other on a kind of regular basis. The thicker the fog, the more the murders. The lighter the fog, the less. And so the city tries to rebrand itself and call itself the Golden City. And then there's they wind up trying to talk other businesses and companies into coming to the Golden City, capitalizing on this yellow fog. And uh, so then they, have, uh, they talk the Blaine Company into moving there, which they do. They headquarter at the Golden City. But then they start to notice that all the managers start disappearing or getting murdered one by one. And for some weird reason they're becoming, they get replaced by these weird homeless guys that live out on the street. Like huge long beards and crazy frazzy hair and stuff and like dirty clothes and everything. So suddenly they're just sitting there quietly working at the desks and everything. And one by one people in the company are getting picked off and getting replaced by these kind of homeless people. And so you don't know why it's happening or what it's leading up to. Uh, Wait, what do you
1: what do you mean replaced by? They just show up and they start, just show up they, and nobody asks questions. Blame Company doesn't have. In HR department with onboarding and all, nope. they just anyone can just claim a desk and start working. I guess so. It's like it's an like... episode of Seinfeld when George wasn't sure if he had a job or not, so he just started showing up at office <laughs> yeah, exactly. and just wasn't really doing anything, but he was there.
0: Well, that's the thing. So it's kind of like the first story. Uh, the the Richard guy he he catches on that this that this spirit basically is killing all of his seven dwarves. And so he winds up meeting face-to-face with them. And this Richard guy is like, you're between worlds right now, aren't you? And you're surrounded by darkness and all this kind of stuff. So it's like, oh, okay, Richard knows what's going on. So he's, maybe he's like masterminding this. And like, you think there's a bigger picture, but it turns out it's not. It's just that Richard knows that he's in the hospital and maybe it's his spirit running around killing people. So it's like, oh, well, that's dumb. So same thing with this. You have people that are getting kind of picked off one by one, disappearing, winding up dead in the street, whatever. Uh, And then all of a sudden there's just a homeless guy that's sitting at their desk doing their work. So the same thing. Well, it's like, well, I guess HR is in on it, right? So like the head of the company must be orchestrating this and masterminding it with these drones or whatever. Uh, And it turns out it's not. um, The original founder of the company who retired basically is announced that he's coming back and that he's going to run the company now in the Golden City, but no one ever sees him around. And it turns out that he's taken the form of the Golden Smog. Or whatever, and then someone finds out, and then he winds up dying. the The CEO who's taken the fog shape, his body winds up being found out in a street somewhere because I guess he got found out. And then the fog goes away, and everything's
1: back to normal. Like, well, that's so a wait, was stupid. Was he ending. existing simultaneously both as the fog and as a person? Or they what? don't
0: explain that. I know oh, that's okay. what you're thinking because you're thinking there's some big, you know, Kafka-esque sort of huge bureaucracy thing going on, like some evil plan. But no, they don't really explain it. His body, The CEO's body just shows up and then the fog kind of lifts and things are a little bit more back to normal. And then there's one more called the Nightmare Network. And that one I just skimmed through. It's written as a series of commercials, uh, industrial, like, informational training videos, and, uh, like, emails. And that's how they tell the story. And it was... That's annoying. Really annoying. There's... Oriacon is this company that gets so big by selling dreams to people. Um, and that everyone can have the same dream, which is happy and prosperous and whatever. And so then next thing you know, they, they make it where people spend the majority of their time sleeping because they have advertisements in the dreams. And they just try to promote people sleeping as much as possible and will pay your bills and stuff if you watch all these ads. Or whatever. And then, uh, so they kind of control the world and they wind up becoming the only one corporation that exists. All the rest have gone out of business or Khan has absorbed them.
1: Then It's like team in up. the 1993 movie Demolition Man. <laughs> when there was, after the restaurant wars, Taco Bell was the only
0: <laughs> yeah, restaurant that's left. That's right. The Taco Bell Wars. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. That was a yeah. great one. Um, and so then uh, they wind up teaming up with uh, Nightmare Corp because they need to have a rival and uh, because you can't just have one company that exists and controls everything because all the the employees start to become bored and uninspired. So they create a rival and they wind up working with this Nightmare Corp or whatever. I just gave up on it. It was a short one and I couldn't even finish it because I'm just like, I do not care about what I'm reading. So, the first one was okay. I enjoyed all the weirdness and the way people were dying was bizarre and, uh... So it was, you know, was kind of like watching a Twilight Zone episode, uh, but the rest were crap. So I didn't like my book after all, which was super depressing for me because I
1: like this author. Well, you may as well just read Twilight then, I guess.
0: <laughs> no! it has got to be something else.
1: Okay, well, keep trying. Great, thanks.
0: Let's move on to the end of the episode. ¶¶ Ben what do you think you're going to read next while we wait for you to get a copy
1: of Twilight I uh, have just started Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari what's that about yeah it's nonfiction, just uh, a brief history of humankind well 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 look at you yeah so some, sometimes I like to learn things
0: oh fine I guess you're going to give us a, a huge lesson when you come back next week.
1: Well, I'll think about it. I'm not sure, like, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to be able to talk about it that much. But uh, uh, try to do it
0: in the most snooty, uh, self-important way possible. Like, well, I don't know if you realize this, Glenn, <laughs> but human beings have a long history of uh, whatever.
1: Well, I probably <laughs> will end up doing that because I take after my mother.
0: <laughs> is, that, is that the way your mother talks to you when she reads a book?
1: I don't know, I mean, you've seen the advice that she's given us. I mean, oh, she God, just,
0: heavy-handed, <laughs> just talking down to us the entire time.
1: Well, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you didn't know what bone meal was, but <laughs> I guess I'll explain it to you. Is this? I
0: mean, it is Mother's Day today. Did you talk on the phone, and then that's the way she was talking to you? <laughs> uh,
1: yes, we did talk on the phone. Of course we did. Oh, well, yeah, it's, it's Mother's my, Day, for God's son. Sake.
0: Well, her, yeah, I know. So, yeah.
1: son. maybe,
0: Maybe you should write it up and then have your mom... Uh, go over the book in the most condescending way possible is she good at being condescending when my mom was alive no. oh man she could talk down to you ah uh, I wish no, I
1: could my mom doesn't do that my, oh, uh, my dad's second wife sure as hell did that <laughs> can you when get her I'm on the phone last. no oh, no that, damn that, it. <laughs> that one ended a long time my dad's not
0: very good at marriage ah well, I got something in common with your dad <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should hang out with him on father's day <laughs> yeah learn a few lessons from him like how can i continue to be miserable he'll give me all sorts of advice well i don't know what i'm gonna read next uh i think i want to find something uh, the words for me are light and punchy
1: light yeah, and try punchy. And,
0: try and find something enjoyable yeah i gotta see what i can find i don't want to read trash but i don't i think i'm gonna after after thomas lagatti let me down uh, and yeah. people have a lot of praise for this book, and I do not understand why. Um, I mean, it wasn't bad, the first one, but it just didn't deserve all that praise. I was really expecting a just a whirlwind of capturing my imagination, challenging my beliefs. Oh, but all the dark, the talk I was saying earlier, all the dark stuff about evil absorbing him and all this kind of stuff, uh, boy, does it bring you down, because he does do a good job at describing how when he was in this kind of half human, half ghostly form, he put part of himself into the body of this woman. Cause he wanted to like control her and get her to say things to the police.
1: <laughs> uh, it's funny how you describe it.
0: <laughs> well, that came out completely wrong. Uh, but he, when he was sort of like half inside or whatever, God damn it. He, <laughs> he, this all sounds horrible. Now he felt a darkness inside. her. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out that anytime he ever like tries to meld with people, he can feel this darkness, so that basically we're all fairly good, well-intentioned people, where a large, like, like a good majority of our soul or whatever, is taken up by this evil force that's guiding us and directing us towards doing things that are ultimately harmful towards others and towards ourselves because it feeds off us that uh, he realized the best thing that for anybody is to die, basically. It's your only freedom. So then he crushes a cockroach. He kind of half-melds into this cockroach, and he can feel the darkness inside the cockroach, even though the cockroach doesn't have much of, like, feelings and thoughts that he can sense. But when he crushes it, for a split instant, he can feel a relief and a release coming from that creature as he killed it. So he's thinking, like, to end the suffering of all human beings, we all need to die. So, he, But he does a very good, better job than me uh, describing all of that, and so by the end of it, I just like put the book down at one point. I'm like, well, I guess I'll go take a shit. <laughs> it's just so horrible. So.
1: That's the darkness inside you.
0: Yeah, the darkness inside me is all that feces. <laughs> the feces of five men. Yeah. But, anyways, uh, so yeah, I gotta find something uh, light and punchy. I don't know what that's gonna be yet, but I'm gonna find something. Maybe, maybe something by Woody Allen. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyways well then I guess that's it for me you got anything else you want to add book boys oh, book boys yeah. book boys you're right you're you're losing your, I lose my social skills when I'm not around people you're losing your book boy shout yeah that nah, poor guy look at you you are suffering you're too proud to admit it book boys <laughs> okay no offense that, that came off a little awkward <laughs> Not as aggressive and powerful <laughs> as normal. <laughs> yeah. It kind of sounded kind of a little self-doubting towards the end of the word "boys."
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I am in an apartment building. I don't want to just be yelling things at the top of my lungs lest gonna, my neighbors get concerned. Are you gonna go all in on this or not? I mean, it, it, it's for the for the love of the podcast, Ben. It's just not the same when we're not in person. It's like video dating. It's just not the same. <laughs> this uh, shouting "book boys" isn't the same if I'm not in the same room as you. So
0: you felt nothing when I talked about that man entering, half entering other people (laughs) (laughs) and feeling their darkness. (laughs) You felt something. I think it's the same.
1: A little bit. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Ben, for being a a good, good friend of the show. and, uh, And thanks to everyone else for listening. We'll see you next week.